podcast for the working cowboy well howdy there daylight burners um welcome back to the show we got a very special guest um fella named john armor he uh wrote a book called branded i believe it's, is it out yet sir or is it it's getting ready to be no it's it's been published since uh first of august Okay. So it's, uh, it's out. I've had a chance to read about halfway through it. Um, and then read a little bit about the the backstory behind it. Um, and it's, uh, it's fascinating. And, uh, rather than me, um, ruining, uh, the synopsis since I got the author and the guy that outside the, the man that committed the crime, uh, knows more about it than anybody else. So, uh, John, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks, Matt, for having me. You're you're very welcome. So I uh I this this show is uh you know aimed towards the the working cowboy and then whoever else wants to listen to it. And um this is a perfect uh perfect type of story that uh that any any good cowhand would love to to hear about. So um if you don't mind, uh give us a little, you know, kind of brief bio of yourself and how you came across this this story and uh and you know, that whole, the whole spiel, I guess. Okay. Well, first I just want to say burning daylight. I believe that John Wayne penned that. Mm-hmm. And is, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So, and I use burning daylight all the time. I'm always telling my wife, hurry up. We're burning daylight. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, and usually I get hit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and I think I even used it in the, in the book in a few places, but, uh, Bob, uh, the, the character of the book, Bob, uh, he used he used to use that saying as well. So, uh, but uh, this book is about uh, a guy named Bob Leach, and he uh, he was a cattle rustler and uh, a thief by trade, basically of anything and everything that wasn't mm-hmm. tied. Uh, and he he ran a lot of drugs, um, uh, and uh, he has a nemesis named Diamond Jim in the book. And, uh, mm-hmm. at an early, at an early age, uh, now I, I came upon this story. Uh, I've always wanted to be a novelist, um, you know, since I was a, a young kid, just never got around to it, you know, with life smacking me in the face, you know, for, you know, through, through a marriage and children and, and everything else. So, uh, finally over the last four or five years, I've been able to sit down and actually put all this stuff to paper. Um, this takes place in 1999, 2000, I mean, the time period when I knew him. Uh, but the story covers, you know, from when he was a, a small child also, um, his dad raised him up, you know, kind of as a, as a criminal right off the bat, had him running drugs, uh, cattle medicines, the th- stolen cattle medicines, uh, you know, from ranch to ranch and selling them for pennies on the dollar. And, and, uh, you know, then he got, he escalated into, you know, selling pot and cocaine and all kinds of stuff. And then he got hooked up with a couple of bad DPS rain, uh, DPS, uh, officers, um, and started stealing cattle. Uh, so he started when he was young. Uh, he was stealing a lot of cattle back, 
in the 1980s. Uh, then he progressed to moving to North Texas after he had spent some time in jail for various things. Um, and uh, leased a ranch near me, next door to me. And um, he, uh, he started running cattle by the semi-truck loads at that point. And uh, he, he rustled, um, you know, it's, it's anybody's guess. I think they, they say between 1.5 and two and a half million dollars worth of cattle. And he borrowed millions of dollars in loans on other people's herds. Um, and to tell you the truth, I really don't know how he ever thought he would get away with it. It was kind of a Ponzi scheme. It was just like steal from one guy to make the other guy happy kind of a thing. Uh, but he got caught. Uh, they chased him down uh, on horseback, uh, arrested him. And uh, and then he he broke out of the Grayson County Jail with four other inmates and went on a, uh, a terror rampage across five counties in North Texas, kidnapping, raping, stealing cars and trucks and holding people hostage in their homes. So um, I'll leave it right there for you to ask any questions before. But I don't want to give the whole book away, but it's pretty, pretty sensational. Some of the things that he uh, that he did and was involved in. And uh, I know you're probably going to ask, uh, uh, you know, did he really do all these things? Um, all of the things that he actually, all the crimes he actually committed are in the book um, and they are real. Um, and then, uh, you know, this is a fiction novel. So, um, you know, there, there's parts of the book where I've added background characters and things to support his, you know, his criminal lifestyle and, uh, you know, people and things to support his lifestyle. And, uh, and and embellished, uh, you know, some of the story. So I'm going to leave that to the readers to determine, you know, who's who, who's real, you know, what things really happened and what things didn't. Um, you know, most of this stuff can be researched in the newspapers and magazine articles. GQ magazine did a pretty good article on him back in 2005 and published it. Uh, Washington Post has similar stories. Uh, I think every newspaper in the country has written about this guy at one point in time. So. And, and uh, it's a guy named Bob Leach, right? Right. Okay. And so, how did you did you just come through this through the through the news and get in uh, real interested in, or how did you come across this? Uh, and and um, you know, I guess to to come to come so uh, in depth with it, to, you know, to write a, a novel based on it. Well, he was. Uh... Uh, you know, I, I alluded that, uh, you know, to the fact that I had lived down the road from him, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on, on a small acreage. And, and he had leased a, a bunch of you know, thousands of acres in the area for his cattle wrestling schemes. And, uh, you know, so one day uh, my, my children were small and we had just moved there. And it was the, the first weekend we were there. And it was my daughter's, my young daughter's birthday. So I thought this would be really cool to, you know, see if I could find a horse or pony or something, you know, and she could ride with her, all of her friends at a birthday party. So I went banging on doors and had almost every door that I banged on, you know, slammed in my face. Uh, you know, I was coming to the realization that, you know, most of these horses out there are half million dollar, you know, breeding horses and racing mm-hmm. like that. And you don't just borrow one of those very easily. So, uh, you know, I, the last, the last ranch I, I went to was his ranch and his wife was standing in the driveway. Uh, with a horse tied up to the fence and she had chaps on and boots and hat and everything was riding. And, and uh, so I pulled in and I asked her, you know, about the pony or, uh, you know, a gentle horse or something. And 
she just, uh, Bob was sitting in his truck about another 500 yards off and she pointed to him and said, give me your number and I'll give it to my husband and he'll call you later. Well, he never called. I woke up in the morning and went out to have my coffee on the front porch and uh, there was a, a horse fully saddled, ready to go, tied up on my front porch, eating my, eating my bushes. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the kids enjoyed the, the horse for the day and, and then he sent a ranch hand down to, to pick it up and, and rode it back to the ranch. Um, I went to thank him, uh, never could, you know, it was a couple of weeks before I could ever get to him. His gate at the ranch was always closed. Uh, it was open one day. I snuck in, knocked on the door and finally got to meet Bob for the first time. And, uh, he was very, you know, very suspicious of me at first. Uh, you know, but then he finally opened the door all the way and let me in and he'd asked, you know, I offered some money and, and he wouldn't take it. Um, but he asked me, you know, do you know how to, you know, anything about ovens? And I said, well, no, not really. But he goes, well, do you mind taking a look at this? So, you know, in this old ranch house, he had an oven that was like made in the 1950s. And uh, mm. said, yeah, this thing's got to go. You're going to have to buy a new one. So he rolled out a big wad of cash from his pocket, started peeling off $100 bills and asked me if I'd mind going and getting him an oven and putting it in. And so I said, sure. So I think the oven cost me $250 or something. I tried to give him his change and he wouldn't take it. He just told me to keep it. So. That was the first of, of many things I've done for him around the ranch, and we, we became friends. I did some remodeling on his house and replacing windows and doors and things like that. And I built a horse uh, show arena for him with lights and, and everything and uh, did all the electrical work and just, you know, things. I finally progressed into actually working the cattle with him. So Bob taught me how to ride a horse. He taught me how to rope. He taught me how to mend fences. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of other ranch activities and, uh, you know, we worked the shoots, uh, you know, doctored cattle and, uh, uh, just, just anything you can think of, uh, you know, and, and there was a lot of stuff in my time there that, you know, I thought was kind of suspicious and, you know, I, me never being around a ranch, I just thought it was a normal way of ranch life. Like, you know, the cow hands in the barn with cowgirls and, you know, they come out with their pants half up and, you know. <laughs> dirt on yeah. the knees, whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on on at that ranch, and and if Hugh Hefner had a ranch, it would be that one. Uh, you know, if if there was a, you know, if there really was a Whiskey River, it was running through that place. So, um, and uh, you know, so that's how I got to know him. We became good friends. We went we went to dinner almost every every Friday night at his favorite Mexican restaurant. We uh, you know, we played around on the lake on this boat. Um, I watched his ranch for him while he was in the hospital with back surgery for a couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at that time, that's when the FBI and the Texas Rangers came in and cut all the locks off the gate and went in looking around at cattle brands and stuff. And, and that's, that's, you know, from that point on, that's when the gig was up and it was just a matter of time before his whole operation was going to come apart. Huh. So, so you were there when, when he got raided and, uh, how no, was that? Well, I actually, you know, I, I wasn't there. Um, I had uh, I had taken a new job uh, in Houston. And uh, so I moved, you know, two weeks before he got raided, I moved to Houston and I actually brought his horse trailer, a big, big 45 foot horse trailer to move all our stuff. And um, he, uh, you know, I, I returned the horse trailer, stayed the night at his house. We had a couple of beers the next morning. Uh, I mean, uh, I think in less than two weeks, actually, um, you know, I read in the newspaper that, you know, of, of the chase scene and, and his arrest and everything else. And, and uh, you know, so it, I wasn't actually there when they raided 
they're ready to ranch. Oh. Uh, that's uh, that's was crazy. Saying, what was what was your thoughts when you when you heard about it? Um, I was floored. I was like, no way. This this can't be the same guy. You know, because yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a the Denton County Sheriff, uh, Tracy Murphy. He used to be a Texas Ranger until he became sheriff. And, um, you know, I did an interview with him and he told me that, you know, Bob, Bob Bleach was the nicest guy you'd ever meet. And, mm-hmm. to ever, and he was to me and my family, too. He gave us horses and ponies and he took us and uh, um, he, he really was just the nicest guy you'd ever meet. And. Uh, you know, you'd never suspect that he was doing anything like that. That's why I thought when I saw him on the news, I thought that that, that just can't be. That can't be right. So I started digging. I collected every newspaper article, uh, talked to anybody and everybody I knew uh, that, that knew anything about it. And and just started collecting that stuff over the years, you know, until I finally got to the point where uh, I felt like I had enough to, to write a book. Uh, I was I started to write a biography and that's why it was taking so long. And, and I just found out that I'm not a biographer. I just don't like to do research. <laughs> I, don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like timelines and I don't like those kinds of, you know, digging, you know, in records and things like that. So I converted, you know, everything I had at that point to, uh, to a novel, a fiction novel. So that's where we are with the book right now. It's a, it's a fiction novel. So. Well, I, it's, it's very, very well written. Um, like I said, I'm about halfway through it and I get, uh, it's an intriguing story. It's, it's a real easy read. And, uh, I, uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting through the rest of it. Um, now, yeah, I, I was reading, reading through the GQ article just right before we hopped on here. And, um, like, it seems like this guy went just like real evil, real quick there, uh, there when like when everything popped off, I mean, it seemed like he was, it was more it was more like the the normal day to day mob type stuff that that uh you know where nobody really gets hurt but you know money's taken this and that but nobody's really hurt and then it went to like the dark side real quick yeah um and you know that that's says a lot for the you know about the people that he was involved with um diamond jim character and uh his dad pushing him into crime uh you know, his dad always told him, you know, you got to color outside of the lines you know, a little bit. Bob really didn't know what that meant for a while. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't know what his daddy was telling him, you know, you got to you got to do some dirty deeds if you want to get ahead. And he finally figured that out. And that's where he went because he wanted, you know, he wanted a ranch and a farm of his own someday. And and, uh, you know, being a cowboy is a tough life. And he thought, well, this this was a way for me to get my dreams. And he's. Mm. You know, to him he called, he's called me three times today alone so i talked to him quite a bit when they're not oh, no kidding yeah he's in huntsville prison uh the high security unit and um uh so you know he's broken out of jail twice so they're not you know when they when they finally put him in jail you know for these crimes you know they wanted to make sure he didn't get out so they put him in his cell unit which is a high security unit in huntsville texas and uh wow so uh you know, he he is the nicest guy when I talk to him on the phone, but he's still a con man. He still tries to get me to exchange money with people for him and put money on his account and do this, that and the other. And, hey, can you give so and so this? And, you know, and I'm like, you know, look, Bob, I told you when we got you know, when I contacted you again that uh, I'm not going to be your banker. Um, you know, 
I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be that. So, you know, quit trying to con me because I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. You know, if you want a friend to talk to, that's fine, but I'm not going to get involved in any of your schemes. You know, they say once a con man, always a con man. So, uh, you know, just about everything that comes out of his mouth is a con. So that's, huh. Uh, <laughs> Did, did he ever show show any sort of remorse for the for any of it? Yeah, actually, he did. He he really has a good heart. He loves people. He loves to take care of people. He loves to make, you know, he's he's given a lot of the ill gotten money that he's had over the years. He had so much money that he didn't know what to do with it. You can't put it in the bank. He had it in suitcases. He stuffed it in his walls in the in his barn. It's said that there's nine and a half million dollars buried somewhere on the ranch in barrels. Um, you know, there's all kinds of rumors about stashed money and, and videotapes of him and, and stuff. But, um, you know, he uh, he was very generous to a lot of ladies, uh, bought them cars and vehicles and paid for their college and their books and their tuition. He just gave money away because he didn't know what else to do with it. Uh, hmm. He never gave me any money. Uh, I mean, you know, I just benefited from, you know from being able to work on a ranch, you know, which is something I thought was very intriguing at the time. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the only money, you know, he ever gave me was, you know, the little extra cash from doing chores and stuff around, you know, his ranch. But, um, he, he sure did take a lot of people to the bank though. Mm. Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley with the burning daylight podcast. You ever wanted to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for for podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh so no matter what uh your setup was like, you can uh start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um and also, if you want to take your conversations to, uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer, answer and polls are the best way to get them talking. You can attach that to your, your podcast there, and, and you, get your, you get you know valuable interactions with your, fan, your fans. And uh, <clears throat> with Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. And that's, uh, that, that is true. Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to do a testimonial here. Um, but anyways, this is the, the podcast I use, or the podcast uh, host that I use. I like Spotify. They're, uh, they're very good on just letting you do your thing uh, with, uh, with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify. And, and this is uh this is a great way to get started. If you, if you have ever thought about starting a podcast, this is where I would send anybody to go. Um, 
best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for Podcasters app, or you can go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And yeah, if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast, or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify Podcasters is your spot. So uh, go to Spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. Yeah, I, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just wild how, how some of that stuff, it, once it escalates and then all of a sudden they're like you said, they're, I don't even know what to do with all this. Cause you, well, you, try, you gotta try not to go put it in the bank and, uh, you're immediately going to get raided by the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ironic. He's never been prosecuted for cattle rust. So, uh, they, really? had, yeah, they had enough, you know, when he broke out of the, Grayson County Jail, um, you know, the, the crime spree he went on then, you know, that cumulatively got him 14 life sentences. So I guess they figured, well, <laughs> no sense in prosecuting somebody for cattle wrestling, uh, you know, if we if he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail anyway. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's got every time I call him, he's got a story. You know, he's got some story about, oh, I was just dabbed or. Uh, you know, they threw me over the railing. Uh, you know, I got in a fight last week and all this stuff. So I, you never really know how much of what he's telling you is true. A lot of times he tries to get, you know, gain your sympathy or get you to do something for him. And that's how he does it. Sometimes he'll say, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to live much longer in here. You know, this, that and the other, you know, and then he'll turn around and say, well, you know, I really could use a fan or a you know, typewriter or something like that, you know, and. You know, so he's fishing for something. He needs something, and you know, he's trying to make you feel sorry for him. Now, that's what comes. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But he was a—he uh, was a—you know—he was a real cowboy. He—he he worked horses. He was very good at training horses, busting horses. He did some work for Bum Phillips and and for um, uh, Benny Binion. You know, back in the day, uh, breaking mm. some stuff. Um, and. Uh, you know, I, I have a feeling if he'd have just stuck to the cow, the real cowboy life, busting horses, probably would have gotten out of you know the crime ring that he was in. But the guy, the character Diamond Jim in the book, now he's you know the, the reason why the book is called Branded is because Bob was branded to this guy uh, in the book, and uh, so Diamond Jim was kind of like an underworld figure, and you know it's kind of mm-hmm. like say once you're in the mob, you never get out. Well, that's kind of what Branded is here. It, it's uh, he's branded for life to this guy, um, even in jail, he says. And uh, uh, so, um, you know, that I don't know what to think about that. You know, when when he when he tells me he could never get out from underneath Diamond Jim, it just seems seems to me that that's a little sensational. But, um, you know, I guess, I guess that happens every day. I mean, in, in the monster life and underworld life, you know, that's probably probably the case yeah i th- I think so i mean shoot there's songs about that diamond uh diamond jim guy out there and uh i think that's a different diamond jim but uh yeah. is it yeah, is I it think, maybe so I think, well diamond jim is just a uh, you know a name that t- typically a lot of writers because you know, it sounds, mm-hmm. sounds sensational it sounds like you know sounds a little crooked i guess yeah well it it, it works because i mean like i said it uh that's what came to mind when you when I, I first read it was you know like there's like three different versions of a song, so I don't know it um it, uh, it's uh 
Fascinating story, though. I uh, now was he was he running drugs like uh, narcotics the whole time, or was that something he came into later in the whole deal, or was it all just kind of one big like I guess it, shit it heap, was, you know that started out with selling the cattle medicines, um, and then his daddy got busted for that, um, and uh, he got fired from the ranch he was working at, and um, and then it. it it, you know, once he got hooked up with the Diamond Jim character, um, he um, it escalated into into pot. You know, running running marijuana up up to the northeast into the Danbury, Connecticut area, and mm. uh, and then and then it it went from you know running the pot to pot and coke. Um, and he also he also had a uh, flying lessons when he was young too. His dad bought a small airplane and he learned to fly in, so they could go check the ranch. Uh, you know, on the on the outskirts of their ranch, and um, he, uh, it, you know, in in the story in the book, you know, he he runs a lot of drugs in a small Cessna plane with another guy back and forth from Mexico, landing landing back in Houston, in the Houston area on a you know small small airstrip out in the country, um, and then uh, you know they distributed those you know. This guy, Diamond Jim, in the book, you know, he has a network of people, you know, and they distributed the drugs all across Texas and the country. So um, it, it, it went into that and it, it involved sex and sex parties and porn and, you know, just about anything you can think of. This guy had his hands in, you know, he was making movies of people in precarious positions and blackmailing people and selling these videos and stuff overseas. And uh, it goes pretty deep. He was like a cowboy Jeffrey Epstein then. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <Huh>. Wild. <laughs> That's yeah. like I said, if if you know, if, if Hugh Hefner had a ranch, it would be this place because uh there were a lot of young girls running around this ranch all the time, you know, half naked, <clears throat> half out of the barn with their clothes half off, and you know, they 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 played there, rode the horses there, they helped work around the ranch and stuff, and then at night it got a little crazy, you know, with with all these girls running around and you know, I wasn't in privy to anything that went on in the house, but there, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of sex parties and things like that going on. And, um, you know, I know there was all, you know, all over the rest of the ranch because I would catch, I would catch people all the time in the barn, you know, uh, you know, cowboys got some girl jacked up on a hay bale, you know, and they're going <laughs> at it. uh, you know, there, there was, you know, there was times when they, you know, they'd all jump, you know, Bob and a couple of girls would jump in a boat, you know, a little rowboat out on a pond and go out there and mess around. And um, he was always working some woman somewhere. Yeah. And and there wasn't, uh, you know, there there weren't any women that were saying no to him. He uh, he just kind of had this aura or charisma about him that you know just drew the women in. He had the, he had the personality. He knew how to talk. He knew how to schmooze. And, uh, you know, just about every woman that can't cross his path, he ended up with him in bed with. So, um, he was a, you know, very colorful, uh, guy, uh, very generous, um, and, uh, and very, very criminal at the same time. Mm. As yeah, I like said, that's, that's crazy. And you got, to, like, like you got to know him real well. And, uh, but you, you never, you never suspected any of like the real crazy stuff. You just knew something was kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I knew something was kind of weird, but you know, the, the first, I really started thinking hard about there being something wrong was when the locks were all cut off the branch gates 
and then mm. you know, broken locks playing in the grass. And, and, uh, I, he was in the hospital. So I called him and, um, you know, <laughs> come up to feed the horses and the cows this morning. And the gates are, the locks are all cut on the gates. And, uh, uh, he said, um, well, don't worry about that. He goes, uh, I know who that is. And, you know, that he left it at that. So I never suspected anything. I, you know, there, you know, in that world, you know, I didn't know too much about that world at the time. I was just, I was very naive. And, uh, I, uh, just assumed it was, you know, a dispute between him and, uh, you know, somebody else or something like that. I never thought in my mind that it was the FBI or the Texas Rangers for sure. Um, but he told me to go up to the hardware store and ask if anybody had been in buying uh, bolt cutters lately. So I went up to the local hardware store and the guys told me, yeah, there's a couple guys in suits came in a few days ago and bought uh, two bolt cutters. Uh, and I'm like, OK, well, there you go. So <laughs> you know, that was that was kind of suspicious. And, you know, and I told Bob about that. And, and then I think that's when he truly, really started getting nervous and realizing that the fuse is lit. and It's only a matter of time. Uh, but he never let on to me uh, anything was wrong. Um, there was a lot of crazy stuff that always went on out there because there was, and I just thought it was just a mix of cowboys and crazy women that were always hanging around there. You know that you never knew what was going to happen next. There was always a party. There was always somebody you know playing around with a gun, or you know we were sitting on the back of a tailgate of a truck one night drinking some beer, and his uh, his wife comes out and and uh, points a a uh, a rifle right at Bob and puts it right in his face and tells him if you ever mess around with that woman again I'll shoot you in the head and she turns around and walks off and Bob didn't mm. even flinch <laughs> he didn't even flinch but me and the other guy we jumped up off the truck and you know dropped our beers and stood far to the side while it was going on and I asked him after she went back into the house you know what what was that all about and he just said well I think she's on a period so <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, you know, there, you know, he was messing around with multiple women at the same time. And and his his uh, partner in crime, his wife was uh, I'm pretty sure she was she knew about all of it. You know, I think she was in on a lot of it. And there was just particular women that she did not like and didn't want Bob to hang around. Uh, but I think it was one of those free free for all kind of marriages. Anyway, it was. She was more his babysitter for the character Diamond Jim in the book than anything. And uh, so, you know, their their characters in the book play off each other. Um, and, uh, you know, so so she um, <laughs> she was pretty much just his keeper, you know, for for the Diamond Jim character. And, uh, you know, and it goes, I don't know how far you've gotten into the book. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, surely you've gotten to that part by now but <laughs> i think so yeah i think so um so so she was kind of a it was kind of an arranged relationship between them two and uh you know she she thought in her mind you know oh, this this might be my cowboy for life because she was never able to hold a man down and uh uh you know she tried to change him in, into what she wanted him to be and it was just like oil and water hmm <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that that's really yeah, and 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 it's and it's hard to without going into too much detail of all of it, you know, without ruining the story. Like it's just, you know, it, it's so crazy, and so like everybody that's listening, like if, if, yeah, this is one you want to go read because it's uh, it it's it's a 
just a crazy, crazy story. I, I'm, uh, I, I was just like, just fascinated by all of it. And I mean, cause, cause it is just like, um, it, it's almost like a Martin Scorsese movie, but just set in Texas, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, so I did interview, uh, two of his victims, um, and it was an, an elderly couple that were held hot that they held hostage out in the country at the farmhouse. And it, you know, this is when the Texas Rangers finally caught up with him for good right before they broke out of the Grayson County jail. And, mm-hmm. uh, so they, uh, you know, they held this, uh, this, uh, older couple hostage. And, and so you were asking earlier, um, you know, is there anything unique about, about that? Uh, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but, he did, uh, you know, 12 years later, after he was in, in jail for 12 years, he wrote them a letter apologizing for his, his, um, you know, kidnapping them and breaking into their house and everything and everything that he put them through. And, you know, so he does have some remorse. I think that's mm-hmm. what you were asking earlier. And, um, and he, uh, he befriended them and they wrote letters back and forth all the way up until last year when, when, uh, the, uh, 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 Vincent, uh, died. Uh, he, he was one of the captain, uh, one of the captains. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he and his wife were held hostage. And, you know, they, they wrote letters back and forth talking about ranching and all kinds of other things for, for years. I've got all those letters that they wrote. And, um, uh, so, you know, I, he, I, I feel like he does have remorse, but, um, he's, you know, I don't know. How does a I don't know if that's real or not. I mean, I think it is, but I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm just not sure how somebody as narcissistic and egotistical as he is, has any remorse. Uh, you know, it's, that would be, yeah. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, uh, now, now was he, was he involved in any murders or was it, was it strictly just, uh, I mean, I mean, the, obviously the, the kidnapping, the rapes, you know, as bad as it gets, but did he, did he kill anybody? No, no, he didn't. He never killed anybody. Um, you know, I talk in the book a few, in a few places about, you know, other people suggesting, Hey, we can just knock this guy off or we can just shoot him and throw him in a pond or whatever in the, in the dump. And, and Bob played those down every, every time, you know, that somebody brought something up like that. He, he mm-hmm. said, we're not killing anybody. I'm not going to jail for murder. And, uh, you know, so, he he never did anything like that that I know of, you know, of course. Yeah. Who knows, you know, what he's yeah. done. It's, uh, uh, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any murder charges or anything ever brought against him and, and none, none in the criminal record or anything like that. So. Well, and you'd think if with, uh, enough, if enough stuff they had on him already, um, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd know about a murder. Yeah. You know, now I can't guarantee, you know, any of the other characters I wrote, you know, they, and mm. any other story, but you know, there is a little bit of that action, you know, murder mystery type stuff in the book, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it, like I said, it's fiction. So. Yeah. Well, the, the cool thing about the whole story is like, he gave you plenty to work with, so you could throw some really crazy shit in there and it, and it was just right, right along the lines of the stuff that actually happened. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he, he and, and you can really goal, use your imagination. Right. You know, and, and my goal in writing, you know, in novels, um, you know, is, is that I can, you know, I can play a little bit of God, you know, and, and I can mm-hmm. 
develop my own characters, you know, even though it's based on a true story, you know, the development of all the other characters spiraling around him is, is where my creativity comes in. And, and, uh, I really, you know, he started me out wanting to write a book to, to, uh, kind of think he could, you know, maybe open up some of his cases and get them reversed and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <For one. laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stick a, my, a stick in any hornet's nest either. So, um, you know, I, I brought him back around to it doesn't really matter what I write about you. People are only going to remember you for what how you were portrayed in the newspapers and the magazines, you know, that they wrote. Uh, that's mm-hmm. I can write a book about how nice you are and what a great person and everything else. No one's ever going to believe that. Not after reading, you know, what you can find online about this guy. So. Um, you know, I told him, look, you know, you, you square yourself up with God. That's probably the most important thing you can do. And then just let the world think, you know, you know, the world is going to think of you the way that they've written it, you know, in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. That's how they remember you. It doesn't matter. You know, if you square yourself up. It doesn't matter what they think of you. So, you know, I kind of convinced him along those lines. And and then that kind of got him out of steering the direction of my book, you know, because I really didn't want to write a biography. I just wanted to write about this colorful cowboy character that did all these bad things. So, uh, and I, but in the book, so I, you know, I did try to portray him as, as the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet in a lot of situations. Um, mm-hmm. cause he really was, but that was just part of his con too. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I didn't make him out to be entirely a, a, a bad guy. He does, he did, you know, I show him with a little bit of heart, the sense of humor and as a nice guy also. He's he's the anti-hero. Just I mean, you know, there's there's all all sorts of you know, like that. He's a Tony Soprano type character. Where right. yeah, you know, he's, he, kind he's of an awful person, but you still love him. Yeah, um, you know, he he's the kind of guy that a lot of people, you know, straight laced people, you know, they they wonder how does a person end up like that, and they kind of like to live vicariously through the story and through his eyes of what was going through his mind and his brain at the time he was doing this stuff, because you could never imagine doing that yourself you know, uh, and putting yourself and your freedom at risk, you know, and all the activities he was doing. So it's kind of fun to just read about him and his, from his viewpoint, you know, what was going through his head. Um, and, uh, you know, let the reader, you know, feel his, his trouble and, and, you know, feel his heart when he had one. So, yeah, well, it was, it's, um, it's a very interesting the way way you told it. Our and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not all the way through, but I, I, and, you know, I, I got the the whole press packet that uh, that your your publicist sent, and so I, I kind of went through all of it, and and so I, I knew the premise leading into to the book that you, that you're aware of this guy, you know him, and uh, and uh, like it's a very interesting way that you you portray it, and I I like I, I really enjoy the the story. I uh, and yeah, I I can't recommend it enough so far, and I'm I'm not even all the way through it. It's a it's it's really really an interesting read. I I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a good read. It'll take you a little while to get through it. It's kind of a thick book, but <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff in there though. It's uh, yeah. I mean, the guy was a busy man. I've had a lot of people tell me that uh, you know they were intimidated by such a big book, but uh, they tell me at the same time it's you know it was an easy read. I couldn't couldn't put it down. It just flowed from one chapter to the next. So, you know, for all those folks out there that, you know, maybe think that they'll never get through a book that thick, uh, it, you will, it just takes you, 
you know, be, you know, because you you won't want to put it down after you finish a chapter. You'll want to go on to the next chapter. That's the way I I yeah. feel. And uh, and then before you know it, you'll be done. But, you know, it keeps you wrapped up in the story all the way through. So it's not like one of these things you're going to put it down. If you put it down, you're probably going to walk off thinking, hmm, I need to hurry up and do what I, you know, do my chores or whatever it is I'm doing so I can get back to that. You know, um, yeah, uh, a lot of books. I've read a lot of books where I you know, I'll get halfway through and they've lost. I've lost my interest and I've never gone back and finished them. So I don't think this is one of them. I think this is one when you pick it up and you start reading it. Um, you know, you're going to be thrust into the show and, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to be living there right with him and, and, uh, and his antics and you're not down. So, uh, yeah, I, and like I said, just following along with, uh, you know, what I read from, from media sources and then, you know, along with the book, like it's, uh, it does the story justice while, you know, like you said, allowing, you know, allowing some little speculation and, and, uh, you know, yeah, adding your own flavor to it, uh, with, with, uh, you know, the outside characters, but it's, uh, it does the story pretty good justice. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating story. So like, yeah, don't let the, the length of it fool you. Cause there's, there's plenty in there to, to keep you going. It just, it, there's just, there's so much there. It's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of cowboy, uh, Cowboy stuff, and it's got a lot, a little bit of Fifty Shades of Grey there for the women too. So, yeah, I was, I was wondering, have you, have you got a bunch of emails from the ladies? Because it, it's kind of right up their alley on that, that romance novel stuff. Well, if Instagram is any measure of, you know, what that's like, you know, I, there's a lot of, I don't know if they're robots or what, or bots or whatever they call them, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of ladies that all of a sudden show up on the social media platforms. So. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, uh, it's really, like I said, it's really well done and, uh, and just a fascinating story. And it's like looking back on it now, like, uh, how crazy is it for you? Just like that, that all kind of happened right under your nose too. Well, looking, looking back, you know, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, looking back, um, you know, I remember things that were going on at the ranch when I was there, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and at the time I didn't think anything about him, but now, you know, knowing the story, uh, the full story, um, and his background, um, I, I see what, I see what it was for what it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the messing around between ranch hands and girls that would come to the ranch and, uh, you know, the relationships that they built in their little horse club they had going on and all this kind of stuff, you know, they were all, they were all messing around with each other. It was like fate in place. And, uh, you know, now I put it together, but back then I thought, you know, I mean, I didn't put too much thought into, you know, what they were doing or why they were sneaking off or why was, why was the barn locked and I couldn't get in to get any hay, uh, you know, and 10 minutes later, you know, a couple of cowboys would come shooting out each side and then the girls would come out about five minutes later, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there was a lot of that going on and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of that. And, um, I never saw any drugs at the ranch or anything like that except for you know there was some cowboys that were smoking some pot things like that but um you know it when i try to think about things back then it's just you know like all of a sudden bob's got a boat and i'm like okay you know i never questioned where he got his money or anything um and i never really knew how much his boat cost 
you know, he, he just invited me. I just went along for the ride. He invited me to the lake every time he went. And we tubed on the, on the lake and had a good time drinking beer and things like that. And, uh, you know, bought a new house. Uh, he bought new trucks. He had money just coming out of his ears for everything. And every time I went with him somewhere, you know, and I tried to pay, he would tell me to put my money away. Don't worry. It's on me. So, um, uh, never really knew anything was going on. And, and, you know, until, until I was able to put it together, um, see the stories in the newspaper and then research his background. Um, you know, and, and I found out how much trouble he'd really been in, in life. Um, yeah. really what I couldn't believe was that I was hanging around this guy that seemed to be my best friend and never knew he was a criminal, but he, he'd been a hardened criminal his whole life. And mm-hmm. you just never you never know what your neighbors, you know, what's going on with your neighbors. Um, and uh, it, it it made me think, you know, how much danger was I in that entire time I was around him? You know, uh, you know, because you'd have pissed off ranchers coming looking for the cattle that he sold. You know, there were disputes and yelling matches and screaming and a couple guns pulled at the ranch here and there. And, uh, you know, and, and I never knew what was going on in any of his business deals or his he used to sit on the living room when I was doing work, sit on the living room couch and he'd scroll through the uh, ranch magazines and uh, make phone calls and stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of was curious about what he was doing. He said he was, he was looking for grazing land. And that's all he told me. Uh, but really what he was doing, he was scamming ranchers out of their cattle. He was, you know, down in South Texas, they had a huge drought in the South Padre. Uh, mm. So those ranchers wanted to move their cattle into fertile ground. So he would take advantage of that situation and offer up his land uh, to to graze these cattle. And uh, they would ship him to him in semi trucks and uh, Mm. mainly just one guy. But, you know, he had uh, almost a thousand twelve or six. I can't remember. Twelve hundred or sixteen hundred head he got from one guy and he sold He sold off every last one of them. And the guy. I think the guy went bankrupt and broke, but, um, you know, a lot of those cattle I helped work, you know, through the shoots, never knowing, you know, what his intention was with them. Uh, Mm. uh, Just never know, you know, you hang around somebody like that. You never know uh, how much danger you're in or, you know, what they're going to expose you to that kind of thing. Now, did they ever contact you? Um, like, do you ever have to provide statements to the to the FBI or the Texas Rangers or anything? No, not a single one. Uh, and I guess, but you said they got him on uh, on the, you know, the breaking out of jail and then the kidnapping and the rape and all that stuff. So, I mean, I guess once that happens, the the cattle stuff kind of, <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, that kind of goes by the wayside. Yeah. Um, I mean, even though that, that cattle operation destroyed some people's lives, um, you know, they, uh, I guess, you know, there wasn't anything they could do to get the cattle back and the guy, the people weren't obviously weren't going to get their money back. So they had to file bankruptcy or, you know, whatever other illegal means they could do to protect themselves. But, um, he, you know, he, he was just, uh, crazy. <laughs> With that kind of, and uh, it, it's not only not only uh, in Texas, uh, you know, did he did he rustle some cattle, but he did in Louisiana, too. So he got he got to spend a little time in Louisiana court system for uh, him and his wife, both for 
or uh, rustling some cattle uh, from a from a uh, producer over in Louisiana, like Charles are. I I, uh, I was reading a book on or listening to a book on Huey Long the other day, and Louisiana's got some some strange uh, laws on the books, you know. So I, I bet that was fun for him. Yeah, well, he he claims he had had a you know while he was there. This isn't in the book; it got cut from the book. But just a little backstory. So while he was there, um, he claims he um, fell in love with the sheriff's daughter, and it was the only only female sheriff uh, in the history of of uh, the Lake Charles Police Department, and or mm-hmm. sheriff's. And uh, so he he claims he befriended the sheriff's daughter and fell in love with her. So he'd get special favors while he was in prison there. Uh, in the jail, and uh, I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but he claims that um, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill were friends with the sheriff, you know, like lifetime friends with the sheriff, and and he claims that they they brought in some Wendy's food and wanted to sit down and talk to him and stuff, and you know, that's those kinds of stories that could have happened. Maybe maybe it did. I don't know. He's telling me these things. Um, I just didn't feel like that. You know, I, I thought that was a, I tried to reach out to the sheriff to, to confirm and, and they would never respond back to me. So she had left mm. the sheriff's office in disgrace, I think. And, you know, just didn't want to talk to anybody, but, um, mm. it, you know, so I don't know whether things like that happened or not. He still has a pending case in Lake Charles, uh cattle wrestling case. I asked him why it was still open. And I said, in case he gets out of jail. <laughs> so I don't know how long they can leave those cases open or, you know, but it's, it's still open. Um, huh. you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very colorful, um, you know, colorful guy. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, he's called me three times today already and, uh, you know, asking me questions about the book and this, that, and the other, he, he likes the book, by the way, he, he's read it all. Um, and uh, he's uh, he, he's using it to his advantage in jail, you know, I guess, you know, he's he's getting favors from people and all kinds of other stuff. I don't know how he's doing it, but <laughs> you know, he'll call me and ask me to send so and so a letter and phone and call this person. I said, Bob, I'm not doing that. I'm doing I'm not going to be a mail carrier, your banker, your writer, your lawyer, none of that. You know, you have to find somebody else to do all that. I'm, I'm not doing it. So um, a lot of times he'll just call to talk, you know, and it's usually very brief. He's usually got somebody screaming. <laughs> they need to use the phone. They've got three phones between a thousand guys or something like that. So mm. my conversations with him are very short. You know, he writes a lot more letters now than he than talks on the phone. So, yeah, and it's always drama. And- it's always drama. So <laughs> he's, he's like a high school girl. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's things like, Oh, you know, if you don't put some money on my account, you know, by Monday, um, you know, they're going to beat me up. I'm like, well, you shouldn't have gotten yourself in that situation. I'm not going to, you know, I I tell them I don't have any money, you know, obviously I, I don't want to, you know, give, uh, you know, them the, him the impression that I'm going to be his bank, you know, but, uh, Oh yeah. So I, you know, I, I refuse to do those things and, you know, and then he calls me the next week and I'm like, well, did you get beat up? Does he ever remember those stories or did, is it just on to the next one? It's on to the next one, but he usually remembers his stories, which is really amazing. Yeah. 
remembers everything he he tells me or thinks of. So uh, it sounds like he's like you know pretty brilliant when when it comes down to it. Yeah, he he is in a lot of ways. Um, you know, uh, I hate to think what he could have done. You know, with his smarts if he'd applied them differently, but um, you know, he chose to go down a different path. So you know, yeah. we'll but that's. Uh, Boy, that's wild. That, that's that's just. I will say though, like if you're ever at, you know, when when you're like go to an airport bar, you've got like a top five like cool story of uh, you know of of random, you know, like just you could knock people out just off their stool with with like, oh, I'm friends with this guy, <laughs> you know. Well. Yeah. And, for, for almost 20 years, you know, before I got to writing on this, uh, seriously writing on this, you know, we would have people over to the house and we'd go places. And, yeah, I would tell that story. You know, everybody would have a story to tell and that would be my story. And every single person has said, you know, you should write, you should turn that into a book or that should be a movie or, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm finally, finally to that point, you know, and, and people still say the same thing, you know. Now it's, you know, when's the sequel or when's the movie? So, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I, I hope to be working on that over the next few years, you know, as I've got some interest, you know, from some filmmakers. So, um, you know, we'll see where that goes in time. That's awesome. It would be a good movie. Yes. Oh, it'd be, it'd be an amazing movie. If you ever need somebody to read the audio book, I'll, uh, you know, get me in mind. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I've actually got a guy that's already doing an audio book for this. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to to that too. I, I'm I I spend a lot of time on horseback, so I I don't I don't physically read as much as I'd like to, but I I I got a lot of audio books, and I, so I've always got an earbud in, and I'm you know it's uh um I've got a guy yeah uh, you know we asked for a Sam Shepard type you know the character is what we're looking for and mm-hmm. uh, not Shepard uh, Sam uh, Elliot. Sam Elliot. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted his kind of voice. And, uh, you know, of course, Sam Elliott's expensive. But, uh, yeah. you know, there was a couple of guys that, that threw out some numbers to me. And, you know, and I just thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. That, that's a big chunk of change. So I finally hit on one guy who was interested. And, and we liked his voice and everything. And uh, yeah, so I hired him. And I thought he was just straight out of Texas. I thought maybe he lived in Waco or somewhere the way he talked and everything. And um, uh, it turns out he lives in Scotland. And, oh, no kidding. And I'm like, you know, okay. Uh, you know, so, so he, he's doing, a, he's doing a, a good job with, with the, the narration. Um, and he's done now. We're just in a review thing. I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the month. But, um, you know, that's my first audio book. And, and I don't listen to audio books, so I really don't know what they're supposed to sound like. You know, it's kind of trial and error thing. If I need to do it over, I will. But, um, you know, it, it, it should be okay. Um, I have no basis, you know, for what an audio book is really supposed to sound like. Cause I've never listened to one. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to them a lot and there's, <clears throat> there's some, like there's, there's certain narrators that, that, you know, you, they go across different authors and whatnot, but it, it's all, it all comes down to the story. Like some, some readers are better than the others, but if the story's good, um, you know, yeah, that's all that really matters. So you'll be fine, I think. Yeah, so so that will be out. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the month, we'll have that wrapped up. Awesome. 
Awesome. I'm it's available well, right now in paperback and on Kindle, um, and uh, soon soon the audiobook. Well, uh, if I if I buy one directly from you, will you sign it and send it to me? Absolutely. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, where can they find all, all your stuff? Uh, you know, the, you know, for the, the book, uh, if you're on social media and whatnot, where, where can they find you? Uh, they can Google, uh, on Amazon branded by John armor and you'll get the book there, uh, either version. And, uh, I do have an author website. Um, if you just go to John armor dash author.com that would be my author website and and from there there are links to facebook the facebook page and uh i think instagram and and that kind of stuff uh at the top of the page so you can navigate from from the author web page to any of those other sites and the web page um you know kind of tells the synopsis of the story and there's a couple of good book trailers there um and then the Facebook page um, has some kind of some backstories, you know, uh, you scroll all the way to the beginning of the Facebook page. When it was created, you'll catch some of the backstories of Bob, uh, you know, that have been posted, you know, since I started this process. So, um, and, and on either on any of those pages, there's always a link, you know, to, to buy the book. So, uh, Perfect. So I- it is available um, on Amazon. Uh, you know, any anywhere books are sold, really, you can go and uh, get it at Barnes and Noble. Uh, I think they'll they'll ha- have to order it for you. But I, I mean, I don't know unless people really love bookstores, which I do. Um, I just haven't been in one in a little while. Everything's available on Amazon, so um, yeah, you know. Uh, but it it is in extended distribution uh, internationally, also. Uh, so. Um, Anybody listening from, you know, another part of the world can buy it on Amazon also. Well, we, we don't have a huge uh, international audience, but there are a few. So, um, and I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's available in Afghanistan or Iraq or Russia. But well, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll have to do some, uh, some major repairs on foreign policy before that happens, probably. Yeah, they just don't read this kind of stuff, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there you go. Well, uh John, I really appreciate your time. It was uh this was a was a fascinating and I just realized I think I, I spelled your name wrong on the freaking yeah. banner here. <laughs> I I apologize. Uh so anyway, John with uh with no H, uh John Armour or Armour. Um <laughs> Yeah, John Armour, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the book and I'm looking forward to, to finishing it up. So, and then if anything else comes out, we'll uh we'll be in touch. All right, perfect. Yeah, I mean, if you want that autograph uh, copy, just give me a shout and I'll get it to you. Yep, I uh I got your all your information now. I got your cell phone and email, so we'll uh I'll be in touch and I, <clears throat> yeah, I'd love a copy. So, um Thanks again for your time. Uh, thanks everybody for, for tuning in. Um, if you, uh, you know, well, this will be released a little earlier for all the, the Patreon listeners, you patreon.com slash burning daylight, uh, sign up there or Spotify. The, the paid episodes are on Spotify. It'll be a little earlier. Sometimes there's bonus content. Um, anyways, uh, that's the best way to support the show. Go check out uh, branded, uh, by John armor and, uh, move your ass or burning daylight. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We made Oklahoma a little after three. Brand-
up hood and be down 